Brothers and sisters in Christ, God's grace and mercy to you and peace and quiet and dignity and godliness. Oh, my, that's quite a list, right? All those gifts that we get as we live in the faith in Christ Jesus. But I think the last few words that she just read might tend to disrupt some of that peace and quiet if we understand those words with the eyes and ears of a 21st century Westerner. You understand that our world talks a lot about equality between men and women, but I don't think this passage is directing our attention toward that kind of equality in our relationships. No, I think those words are directing our attention as everything is in the second chapter of uh, 1 Timothy. Everything is directing our attention toward the beauty and harmony that we had in relationships at the beginning of creation. So more to the point then, these words remind us that in Christ, that kind of beauty and harmony has been restored to us. In short, those words are pointing us toward a peaceful and quiet relationship with everyone, relationships that are godly and dignified in every way. Those are the kind of relationships that God desires for everyone. So before we bring their meaning to the 21st century, and I think we should do that, I think we also need to understand them with the perspective of a first century Ephesian. You see, as Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, he instructed Timothy to continue to proclaim the gospel in all of its truth, in all of its beauty, to the Christians in Ephesus. So those Christians would have been among the first to read and hear these words, even though the letter was addressed to Timothy himself. And we can then be, see in this letter in Timothy and really in other parts of the Bible that the people in Ephesus were near and dear to Paul's heart. He had a special place for them. He, of course, planted that church among the Gentiles in Ephesus, as he did in many other places. But scholars are also fairly certain that Paul spent more time in Ephesus than any other single place that he traveled. Now, this is not some sort of popularity contest here, but as Paul writes this letter, it becomes very clear to us that he's speaking with a high degree of love and compassion for his dear friends in Ephesus. And, of course, Paul is intimately familiar with that peace and quiet and that dignity and that godliness that comes with faith in Christ. He loves that sort of life, and he wants that sort of life for his dear friends in Ephesus and he wants that same experience for you and me, too. And he wants it for all people everywhere. We learn from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 that Paul had found a great door of opportunity for effective work in Ephesus. And that's probably why he stayed in Ephesus longer than he planned. But Paul also notes that there are people in Ephesus who teach false doctrines, different doctrines, myths, and speculations. And all of this poses threats to the Christians in Ephesians. Now, we also know that this region of the world had become an important metropolitan area in its day. This region enjoyed prominence in trade and travel and culture. I get the impression that everyone, both men and women, in this bustling area of the world, they must have felt a need to keep up with the fast-paced lifestyle. So whether you are a mover and a shaker or just an ordinary citizen, there must have been constant pressure to establish yourself and your credibility, to protect that status and position in your turf, to display it all in Ephesus. So all of this then suddenly isn't too different than our world, is it? 
I suspect that at different times, all of us feel that same sort of pressure to establish and maintain our position, to move forward, to compete even sometimes. And some of this work is necessary. It's helpful sometimes. It provides doors for us to effective work in our vocations. But much of this pushing and shoving, well, it's also inappropriate, isn't it? It poses threats to our peace and harmony and joy. Eventually, then, the reality of our busy and chaotic lives puts us at risk of losing sight of all that peace and quiet and dignity, just as it did for the Ephesians. And as we participate in day-to-day -day life, we tend to destroy the peace and quiet of life in Christ. We probably even tend to wander away from that godly, dignified life. And Paul wouldn't want that for us any more than he would want for his brothers and sisters in Ephesus. So Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, instructs us in that same love and that same compassion. Yes, the instructions are different for men than they are for women, but that's not because Paul is trying to establish some sort of dominance or some sort of superiority, quite the opposite. He's trying to break all that down. And again, he's reminding us that in Christ, we've been redeemed and restored. We have that same harmony in our relationships with God and with others as Adam and Eve had. So with that in mind, let's ask the question, what does Paul say to you men? He instructs you to pray in all places. He instructs you to lift up holy hands without anger or quarreling. Now, in those words, men aren't given some sort of specific stance that they have to keep when they're praying, and he's certainly not excluding women from all the joys of praying. But men, you are reminded in that, in that particular passage that your redemption in Christ has been total, has been complete. Think of it this way. Before faith in Christ settled in your hearts, men, all of you once had nothing. You think you had status before men and women, and you think you needed to control all that. But the psalmist reminds us that we were needy and poor. We were sitting in an ash heap. We had nothing on account of our sin. But now, on account of faith... Even your hands, men, have been holy in Christ. You understand the redemptive work of Christ cleanses your inner heart and your mind. But here, Paul reminds you that your bodies, too, have been redeemed. Your feet, your legs, your arms, and yes, even your hands are clean and holy. You see, the redemption that you've been given in Christ is total. Body, soul, and relationships are united with Christ. The use of your bodies and your hands to sort of establish that position and, and start pushing among men and women and, and even God, all of that pushing and shoving is no longer necessary, no longer appropriate. Now, your hands are free to pray, free to help and to heal and to lovingly embrace others. And what Paul says to women isn't all that different. Before the faith of Christ settled in the hearts of women, all of you also once had nothing. The psalmist reminds us that we had no status before men, no status before women that needed to be displayed, and, and really no status before God. Women were barren. They had no hope of healthy, happy relationships. You too, on account of sin, had nothing. But now you too, your bodies, your souls, and your relationships have been healed and completely redeemed. 
the way you used to adorn yourselves, the things you wore which were intended to display and establish your position and status, whether you did that with baubles or bangles or beads or things you wore, all of this too is no longer necessary, no longer appropriate. Now, you're free to profess that redemption that you have in Christ with your good works. Listen, much more could be said here, and believe me, much more has, I've spent the last few weeks reading, much more has been said about this men and women discussion that Paul is having here. But let me just finish with this. We do live on this side of the cross, and on that cross, Jesus Christ said, it is finished, so I'll say it again. His redemptive work for you and me, it's complete. Through faith, we now have those gifts of peace and quiet and dignity and godliness. But I know that we also live on this side of the fall into sin. The truth of our redemption sometimes becomes difficult to see. All too often, as we carry out our vocations, we do start pushing and shoving a little bit again, don't we? We undermine the peace and quiet and the dignity and godliness of our life in Christ. So as we live and work together in Christ, a great deal of forgiveness is going to be needed. But my friends, a great deal of forgiveness has also been given, right? And remember, the fruit of the Spirit includes something called self-control, So as we read his word, inspired by the Spirit, we learn again and again and again that we have been given new life in Christ, and we learn again and again and again how to bring that peaceful, quiet, dignified, godly life to others. So through our prayers, we do that. The way we conduct ourselves and carry ourselves, and yes, even the things we wear, we do that. You see, his mercies are new to us every day. So let's end where Paul began. God desires that all people would come to the knowledge of the truth of Christ, and in that knowledge they would find peace and quiet and dignity and godliness. What a joy it is to know that God has given us that knowledge, and what a joy it is to know that he's also equipped us to take that and share it with the world. Praise be to God. Amen. I invite you to stand and...